You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. My name is Tyler Brooks. I'm a partner here with Real Life because I believe in the mission and vision of reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time, by making biblical disciples in relational environments. And I've been attending Real Life since 2016. Me and my beautiful wife, Alex, facilitate a young adults life group. I'm also a uh, life group facilitator coach, and I'm involved in a few other ministries here. And this morning, I have a very special message for you. But first, I want to give you a little bit of a backstory about how this message came to be. Earlier this year, I was writing a sermon. And sermon writing for me is where like, I come to life. It's where the text comes to life. And it's where I hear Jesus speak to me through his Holy Spirit the clearest. And most of these sermons that I write are for myself and my own personal growth, and I typically write them around the things that I am seeing and hearing in my life group and from the other small groups that I'm involved in. And so earlier this year, I was writing a sermon on grace versus works, and I was pacing back and forth in my kitchen just having an open conversation with God. And I was trying to wrap this sermon up, and I was struggling putting these two pieces together And Jesus finally gave me the answer, and it popped. I had this light bulb moment. I was just so so overcome with emotion, I just started to worship him and thank him and praise him. And while I was thanking him, this voice popped into my head, this question. And it was my own internal dialogue, but it, it wasn't anything that I was thinking, so I knew it was a question from the Holy Spirit. And the question was basic. It just said, so you like writing sermons? And I get excited. I'm like, yes, I love writing sermons. I love this relationship that I have with you. Then the Holy Spirit asked me a second question. Well, who do you think the greatest pastor is who's ever walked the earth? And I had this moment where I started to think about like all these human pastors that I've heard of and who's the greatest. And then it hit me. Jesus is the greatest pastor to ever walk this earth. And so Jesus, it's you. You're the greatest pastor to ever walk this earth. And I was asked a third question. Well, who do you think the greatest sermon writer is? Jesus. So the first thing that popped into my head was the Sermon on the Mount. And this happened at a period in my life where one of my mentors in Salt Lake was encouraging me to memorize scripture. And so I thought, hey, I I can kill two birds with one stone by memorizing a sermon and simultaneously memorizing scripture. So this morning, I am excited to present to you and recite to you the Sermon on the Mount. But before I do that, I want to revisit the Harvest series that we concluded last week, because I think it's extremely relevant to what we will all experience here this morning. And Mitch had a great kickoff to this series, and he talked about the different types of soil and how it's so important that we cultivate within ourselves, our hearts and our minds, good soil, so that these seeds that the Lord plants within us have a good environment for them to grow. And then Carrie Gray had a beautiful message where she talked about these seeds. And she showed us a mustard seed and how small it is. But a mustard seed, when planted in good soil, will grow to be this massive bush. And how these seeds of the Lord, when he plants them within us in good soil, it will bear a crop that is 30, 70, even 100-fold what was sown. And then last week... Adam wrapped up the series talking about this harvest. What do we do with this crop that grows from these seeds that the Lord plants within us in this good soil? 
And Adam told us we are to manifest the love that God has for us and for others and use this harvest to bless those around us and to love on God's people. So with that this morning, I believe that through this message of Jesus, he will have a seed for each and every one of us. So I want to take just a little moment and prepare the soil within ourselves. So if you all don't mind, would you just join me in prayer? Uh, Heavenly Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Lord, I thank you for the amazing people in this room. Lord, those online, Lord, and anybody who may see this in the future. Jesus, I just ask that you would just take control of this environment. Jesus, that any baggage that we came in here with today would be left outside of these doors. That you would clear our minds that through this message, Jesus, it's only you that's speaking to us. I pray that you would till up within our hearts and minds good soil. Jesus, you said that your sheep know your voice. And we are eager and hungry to hear you speak this morning. And you said that your word does not come back void. So we come to you this morning with expectation and anticipation that you have something for us. So Jesus, as we come to you this morning, we just ask, what do you want us to know? What do you want us to know? I love you, Jesus, and I thank you in advance. All glory to you, and in your name, amen. So in Matthew 5, when Jesus sees the crowds, he goes up on a mountain. And when he sits down, his disciples come to him, and he opens his mouth to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all kinds of false evil against you because of Yeshua HaMashiach, that is, Jesus, the Messiah. But rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecute you, they persecuted the prophets who came before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, how does one make it salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the feet of men. You are the light of the world, and a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a bucket. No, they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all. Who are in the house. 
Therefore, let your light shine in such a way that people see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, Jesus did not come to abolish the law and the prophets. He did not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth passes away, not the smallest letter or slightest stroke of a pen will by any means be removed from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever sets aside the least of these commands of Jesus will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys these commands of Jesus and teaches others to do so will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, if your righteousness does not surpass that of the Pharisees, the scribes, and the teachers of the law, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now you've heard that the ancients were told that you shall not commit murder and anyone who commits murder will be liable to the court. But I tell you that any man who is angry with a brother is guilty before the court. And whoever says to her brother, Raka, that he is good for nothing, is guilty before the Supreme Court. And anyone who says, you fool, is guilty enough to enter into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering at the altar and go. Make amends and be reconciled to your brother. And then come back and give your offering at the altar. Make friends quickly with your opponent who is taking you to court while you are both still together and on the way so that your opponent doesn't hand you over to the judge and the judge hands you over to the police and the police throw you into prison. For truly, I tell you, you will not leave that place until you have paid every last sin. Now you've heard it's been said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that any man who looks at anyone else with lust for them has already committed adultery with them in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is better to lose one part of your body than have your whole body thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better to lose one part of your body than have your whole body enter into hell. You've heard it's been said that any man who wishes to divorce his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that any man who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And any man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you've heard the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows and you shall fulfill your vows before the Lord. But I tell you, make no oaths at all, neither by heaven, for it is the throne room of the Almighty God, nor by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make any oaths by your own head, 
for you cannot even make one of your hairs white or black. Some of us can't even make hair. (laughs) Therefore, let your response simply be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond this is of the evil one. You've heard it's been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them also your other. Whoever wishes to sue you for the shirt on your back, give to them also your coat. Whoever forces you to go one mile, walk with them two miles. Walk with them. Give to those who ask of you and do not turn away he who wishes to borrow from you. You've heard it's been said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, who causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and his reigns to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if we only love those who love us, where is our reward? Don't even the tax collectors do this? If we are only hospitable to our brothers, how does that make us different than the others? Don't even the pagans do this? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And be careful practicing your righteousness righteousness before others in order that you will be noticed by them. Otherwise, you will lose your reward from your Father in heaven. So when you are giving to the poor, don't sound the trumpet before you like the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that their giving will be noticed by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But you, when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be done in secret. And your Father in heaven who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, don't be like the hypocrites who love to stand praying in the synagogues and in the streets so that they will be noticed by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your secret place and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, don't use meaningless babble like the pagans do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask. Pray then like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For if we forgive others of their transgressions, our Father who is in heaven will forgive us.
But if we do not forgive others, our Father who is in heaven will not forgive us of our transgressions. And when you are fasting, don't wear a gloomy face like the hypocrites do, for they love to neglect their appearance so that their fasting will be noticed by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head with oil and wash your face so that your fasting won't be seen by anyone but by your Father in heaven. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there too will be your heart. The eye is the lamp of the whole body. If then the eye is clear, the whole body will be full of light. But if the eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You cannot serve two masters. For you will either love one and hate the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And it is for this reason I tell you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body as to what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look up at the birds in the air. They do not reap, they do not sow, and they do not gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who among you, by worrying, can add one hour to your life? And why are you worried about clothes? Look at the lilies of the field. They do not spin nor do they toil. Yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all of his splendor and all of his glory was dressed like these. If then God, who so clothes the grasses of the field, which are here today and tomorrow are tossed into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry then, saying, what will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear? For the pagans desperately seek after these things, and your Father in heaven knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you. And do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself, and today has enough worries of its own. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way that you judge, you yourself will be judged. And by your standard of measure, you will be measured. 
How is it that you can see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own? Or how is it that you can say to a brother, here, let me help you remove that speck from your eye, and behold, you have a log in your own. You hypocrite. First, remove the log from your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly enough to remove the speck from your brother's. Do not give what is holy to dogs and do not cast your pearls before swine. Otherwise, they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives And to the one who seeks, he shall find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened to him. For who among you, if your son were to ask you for a loaf of bread, you'd give him a rock? Or if he asked you for a fish, you'd give him a snake? If then you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Therefore, in everything that you do, treat others the way you wish to be treated. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way which leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the way which lead to life. And there are but a few who find it. And beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. You do not gather grapes from thorns or figs from thistles, do you? Likewise, a good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and tossed into the fire. Therefore, you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to Jesus, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of our Father in heaven will enter. Many on that day will look at Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons? Jesus will look at them and reply, I never knew you. Be gone from me, you evildoers. Therefore, whoever hears these words of Jesus and acts on them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. But it did not fall, for it was built on the rock. But whoever hears these words of Jesus and does not act on them is like a foolish man 
who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it slammed against that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. That was Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is the first recorded sermon of Jesus in the Gospels. It's an extremely powerful message, and it's a broad message, and it can speak into every area and aspect of our lives. And I trust that something in this message today jumped out at you, and I encourage you this morning to let that seed from the Lord be planted in good soil. Don't let it land on rocky soil where it takes root today, but tomorrow is withered by the sun. Now, I've seen this message before. I've given this message before. And it can be motivating, encouraging, uplifting, confirming. It can also be convicting and extremely challenging. And I want to share with you guys one of the seeds I have received from this message, and there have been many, but I, but I love this story. The first time I actually gave this sermon was earlier this summer up on Moscow Mountain. And the night before I gave this message, I bought a new pickup. Not a, not a brand new pickup, but a new-to-me pickup. A 98 Chevy. And this thing is in great shape. 25 years old, it has 81,000 miles on it. Runs like a champ. Had two previous owners, and they both kept great care of it. So I drive it up to Moscow Mountain, and we hit this small dirt path to get to our destination. And as we're driving the path is getting narrower and narrower and narrower. And I've got cars in front of me and I've got five or six cars behind me and it's getting narrower. And all of a sudden, branches are scraping against the side of this pickup of mine. And it's getting worse and I can hear the scratches and the streaks and I know that uh, my, my pickup's getting scratched. But there's nothing I can do. It is so thick, there is no turnout, there is no way that I can turn around. What am I to do? Hop out and ask five cars behind me to drive backwards for half a mile so that I can hop back in and have them drive me up? So I decide I'm just going to bomb on through. And we get to one of the last corners, and there was a dead tree that had fallen over that somebody had cut out, and there were some big sticks sticking out. And it's a full-size pickup. I knew there was no way that I could make this turn without doing severe damage to my truck. So I just bite my tongue. I round the corner. I hear, it scrapes the side of it. I ride to my destination. I get out, and I, I walk in around my pickup. I'm sad. I'm, I'm angry. I'm bitter. Not only did it scratch my pickup literally everywhere. It's out in the parking lot. You guys can go look at it. It left two dent scratches, like those branches dented and scratched about three to four feet on the passenger side of my pickup. And I just got this thing. So I'm trying to get my mind right to give this message and I go up, I, I give the message and we do a little feedback, ask, ask the gentleman what stood out to them. And an older gentleman in the back says, the drive in here reminded me of the narrow way. And he goes, do you know how you know you're on the narrow way? When you cannot turn around. When you have found the truth and there is no way that you can go back to where you came from.
And in that moment, my anger turned to me rejoicing. And every morning when I go out and I see this pickup and I see all these scrapes running down the side of it, I am reminded that I am on the narrow path, that I have found truth, and for me there is no way to turn around. And it also stands as a reminder that when we reach our destination, we're going to have some scratches. We're going to have some dents, bruising, some hurts. So with that, I don't want to be ignorant to some of the challenging aspects of this message. And if some of you this morning are wrestling with some of the things that Jesus just told you, I just want to encourage you and let you know that that's okay. Wrestle with God. Wrestle with his text. Go to your secret place. Ask, seek, and knock. We live in a beautiful time in history where we have access to the Bible in digital format. Whatever the Lord spoke to you this morning, you can go and find it and have access to a ton of resources. And I encourage you to do that. And as we head into communion, I just want to say one thing. Every time I get up in front of an audience this size, there's the chance that somebody in here has not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. If something in this message from Jesus today is stirring in you, if the Holy Spirit is stirring within you and you can feel the God of the universe calling you to be his own, I invite you to not wait any longer. After our worship, we will have amazing people up here that would love to talk with you. If something in this message jumped out at you and you feel like you want to recommit your life to Christ and put a stake in the ground, a spiritual marker, I invite you up here. After worship, there will be people that would love to pray and talk with you. I would love to pray and talk with you. So let's go to communion. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he broke it, he gave thanks, saying, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Let's proclaim Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. Again, I thank you for the ears, Lord, that hear this message. Lord, I pray that wherever we are, Lord, that you would meet us there as you will. You would help us to wrestle with you in your text, Lord, to walk in your ways. Lord, my prayer is that as we go about the weeks and the days that we would just meditate on the seed that you have planted in our heart. And Jesus, now that we know what it is you want us to know, we ask you. What do you want us to do, God? What do you want us to do? Lord, again, I thank you for these amazing people. And all glory to you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.